You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. We're back once again, ladies and gentlemen, to the Laugh Button Podcast here on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I'm Matt Kleinschmidt, the editor-in-chief of TheLaughButton.com, and with me, Bram Teitelman, editor-in-chief of MetalInsider.net. Indeed. Our sister site. At this point, you're, no, 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 we, we, like brother we already talked about it's this stuff being a brother site. I apologize for that, too. So, yeah. my bad, yo, my bad, yo. So, uh, so, Bram, how are you? I feel like you're becoming a, a permanent host of this because, uh, because of Mark's current situation. I thought it was popular demand. No, Mark the, just is going for a sex change operation. That's not true, but that's the rumor. Let's start that rumor. Sister site. Can we start that rumor? Yeah. <laughs> sister site. Mark is I'm going all for, for that. A sex I thought change. it was popular demand. I think the people de- are demanding. The people uh, have demanded. We want more Titleman. Yeah. What is Titleman, like, uh, where it's from? Like, it's uh, German. It's a German name. Is it? I'm because yeah. Kleinschmidt's German, but I know, like, nothing about my German roots. Other uh, than, I don't know why. Other either. than Germans pulled some shit. I, yeah, <laughs> too soon. Too uh, soon. That's I, actually when my family migrated, immigrated over to the U.S. to, to get to flee all that stuff. Oh, we all actually, right. Right, that's, uh, that's title why. man might might be German for the man of titles, but I'm not sure. I'm making that up as all conjecture at this point in time. <laughs> man of titles. That is your genealogy lesson. Now well, let's move on to comedy. Kleinschmidt is Little Smith. Uh, Schmidt is Smith in German, and Little Klein is Little. And for that's people funny. that know me, there's nothing little about me. And or my family. Or Smithy. I've never seen you craft a horseshoe. I can craft things. Make me a horseshoe. Uh, not a horseshoe, but I can like craft other things. Like I've built stuff. I demanded a horseshoe. I'm going to hang it up in my apartment uh, for good luck. I've started a joke. Yeah, thanks, Morrissey. No, isn't it the Bee Gees? <laughs> oh, I've yeah. started yeah, a yeah, joke. Yeah. All I'm right, sorry. cool. So, uh, so what's new with you, buddy? How's life? Uh, it's great. Yeah? That's great. You enjoying I, this weather? Yeah, for those of you not on the <laughs> East Coast, it's it's 70 degrees. It is 70 degrees, and it's supposed to be like 40 degrees tomorrow, and then the day after that's supposed to snow. So climate change is a hoax, guys. That's what I'm saying. That's, sure. That's where we're going at with Not this. my president. <laughs> well, I, don't mean, I didn't mean to get political on you, but I'm basically saying climate change is a hoax because, you know, that's this is how weather works in the uh, end of February, beginning of March, or something like that. So, um we're back. We uh, we're frantically getting uh, stuff together for South by Southwest. It's great. Before we jump into all that, we should talk about who our guest is this week. We have the one and only Seaton Smith on the podcast. Whoa! Yeah, Seaton Smith is a good dude. He actually did a uh, a previous uh, event for us during the New York Comic Con, uh, which was like last October. We basically did a superhero fantasy draft, and Seaton was one of the panelists on that. Unfortunately, we lost the audio for that. It was it sucks because it was a really oh. great time, and the audio got. Fubard, basically. Basically, you had to be there. So if you went to the New York Comic Con and were in a packed room like I was, yeah, you had a very good time. And yeah. Seton Smith is awesome. I Seton saw Smith him is awesome, yeah. just before he got the John Mulaney show. Yeah. To stand up, and it was great. And Before he got the role of Motif. Yeah, I was like, wow, I just saw someone before he blew up, and the show was canceled like three weeks later. Yeah, I want to say you and I saw Seton Smith at the same time, if I'm not mistaken. It was uh, during a Time Out New York show during the New York Comedy Festival. Like, when was Mulaney? 2014, 2000, so we might have saw him like 2013 maybe, something like that. 
sure, let's go with that. <laughs> and we talk about this stuff on the podcast. But Seaton comes by, he raps with me about just basically everything and anything. He gets a little political, gets a little spiritual. We talk about cults. Uh, we talk about uh, some books he's read. Talk about his favorite uh, comedy icons, all that kind of great stuff. It's a uh, it's a really really great conversation to have with Seaton Smith here on the podcast. So looking forward to that. But in the meantime, let's get into some news. Yes, let's. Uh, I think the biggest news of the week, dude. It's uh, got to be the colossal cluster fest. It, it is very colossal. <laughs> and it's very cluster festy. Uh, for those who have not heard, and I'm not sure if there's anyone that hasn't heard yet, because it's it, the news went far and wide once it was announced, because it was a huge deal. Was Comedy Central is basically teamed up with uh, Superfly Entertainment, uh, which are basically the folks at Live Nation, and uh, another Planet Entertainment who do a lot of uh, comedy shows out in San Francisco, and that was the me kicking a table. Uh, wow. I, yeah, I thought you were making a, making a point. <laughs> I just colossal. It's colossal. Kicking a table. Um, it's out in San Francisco. It's basically the first weekend of June, and it is a hybrid comedy, music, uh, experiential fans of this TV show, fans of that TV show type of scenario. It's really interesting. Basically, they got the biggest headliners they could possibly pull off. They pulled off Jerry Seinfeld, Sarah Silverman, Kevin Hart, big guys. Pretty much everyone that at any point who's been on Comedy Central had a release on Comedy Central. Reggie Watts, Kyle Kinane, Natasha Leggero, Dan Soder, BJ Okerson. All these dudes have done have, have are on it. Mike Lawrence, uh, Lisa Traeger. Like it's just, the list goes on and on and on. We have all the information on the website if you want to go read about it. But they also are doing bands. They're having some bands play. Uh, Maya Rudolph's Prince tribute band, Princess, is playing, but they're actually having some real bands play there as well. Ice Cube is going to be there. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And then um, they're also doing this really interesting thing. They're doing. I want to say like live installations, I guess is probably the best way to describe it, where it's basically like you can walk into the world of South Park. You can walk into the world of Seinfeld. You can walk into the world of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So it's kind of like they're setting up and you can basically go sit on Jerry's couch or something like that. It's pretty sure. interesting. They did that before. Haven't they done that before? Um in New York for Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, and Seinfeld. When, at Comic-Con for South Park. Yeah, so it'll be basically a, be like those things combined. There was like a traveling South Park a- exhibition for a while that we saw at Comic-Con. We've seen a few places. I have a feeling this is going to be a little bit more heavy duty and specific for this festival. And then uh, South, yeah, Seinfeld, you're correct, when they, they announced that big Hulu deal that Jerry Seinfeld did with Hulu, that they uh, basically created an apartment and put like Jerry's apartment up in this thing. And then it's always something in Philadelphia. I do not believe they've done it yet. So that's happening as well, too. So it's really big, immersive. It's a three-day festival, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, out in San Francisco. Um, and then it's all culminated with like a 90-minute special hosted by Chris Hardwick. Makes sense. He's a host on Comedy Central. Sure. And it's equal parts live performances. It's going to be some tape segments, some man-on-the-street stuff. So it's just this big old raucous millennial Comedy Central type of thing going on. It's great. I'm there. Yeah. I mean, I'm planning on going. I don't know if I'm really there, but I would like to be there. It sounds we should go. Awesome. We should see if we can do a live podcast right next to like Chris Hardwick and Reggie Watts. Deal. Maybe, maybe <laughs> rope them in. Yeah, I'm like, hey, Hardwick, step back, step aside. Just get, a, just get a third microphone and kind of hold it and maybe get a little bit of their podcast. It's like, hey, thanks for being on our podcast. <laughs> thanks for being on our podcast. We're going to do a swap cast. <laughs> that's our swap cast. So, so that's actually really cool. It's actually a huge comedy festival. It's happening. That like only like Colossal, a, some would say. Yeah, huge colossal. So, almost if there was a word for it. <laughs> but um, it's one of those things that you can only... I feel, feel like Comedy Central is the one of the only brands that could pull something like that off because it kind of walks this great line. Obviously, it's comedy. Is their forefront? It's in their damn name. But at the same time, uh, you know, being able to pull off bands and pull off 
you know, all this kind of stuff. I think the only thing that's really missing from this comparing it to like a Bonnaroo type of experience is like the ability to spend hippies. It. Well, <laughs> hippies, but it's also like there's no camping, which is a Bonnaroo thing. It's a very but so but this is also anyway passes are on sale basically by the time you're listening to this podcast passes will have gone on sale they're basically on sale 10 a.m thursday 10 a.m pacific so if you're listening to this podcast chances now chances are the tickets are already on sale on, on clusterfest.com so uh looking forward to that I, I i love festivals i'm a big fan of festival season we're going into it now you know yeah, yeah, pretty much as soon as April rolls around. You're, you're, yeah, you're, I mean, well, even sooner than that for well, some South comedy by, stuff. You have, we had Riot kicks off the top of the year. You have South by Southwest. You have Sketchfest. That's all before March. That's all by mid-March. Uh, they announced a couple things, like there's Bridgetown's going on. Gilda's Laugh Fest is happening mid-March. And then uh, there's a brand-new festival out in Las Vegas called the Crapshoot Comedy Festival that's happening in May. And then you have Clusterfest now, something that is a real contender, and the Just for Laughs. And that's basically July only. It's a lot of comedy. Limestone Comedy Festival. There's a ton of them. I mean, I mean, like, and those are just the big ones that have kind of a national footprint. I'm not even talking about the little guys that, you know, that are like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the crazy forest comedy festival of Tennessee. Oh, you know, there's, there's, there's just so many of them. It's kind of crazy to see. But at the same time, if you look hard enough, you'll find a comedy festival anywhere. Bob's Chuckle Hut Comedy Festival <laughs> in Jackson the Hole. The best Bob's Chuckle Hut hey. in Jackson Hole. I am. <laughs> there's uh, a lot of music fests happening, too. I mean, yeah, I feel yeah. like more than ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, especially in the world of metal, which obviously I'm well versed mm-hmm. in. Uh, there was the Mayhem Fest, which was a traveling thing, and that ended because Kevin Lyman decided to just kind of concentrate on the Warp Tour. And yeah. so there's all these like two or three day festivals, like Chicago Open Air, and uh, there's I think on Las Vegas. Las Vegas. I'm assuming that's in Las Vegas. Well, you assume correctly. <laughs> and there's also Psycho Las Vegas, which is something I think I might need to go to. What's that all about? It's like a lot of stoner rock. Um, Ace Freely's playing it. Oh, cool. Yeah, bands like Gojira uh, and Corrosion of Conformity. That sounds great. I lo- well, music good. and comedy always kind of have always overlapped and stuff, so it's, it's good to see that kind of stuff happen. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. So uh, a couple other big stories happening this week. Uh, the trial of Bill Cosby set at the start on June 5th, and uh, some pretty big rulings happened this week, and, I, and I'm curious to hear your opinion on it because like, you, you know Bill Cosby Everyone fucking knows Bill Cosby. He's fucking sure. Bill Cosby. And everyone also knows what the, the shit that Some went down. Some know him against his will. <laughs> wow, that's a really good one. Their will, I'm sorry. That was a good joke. Yeah. I, I got what you're saying, though. Yeah. But uh, so so this 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 lawsuit that's been pending for the last couple of years is finally going to start happening, this trial. And they basically made two big rulings this week on, on this trial. One basically saying only one other accuser can testify against him. So he was up to like 30 at some point, 18, 19, is whatever. Is statute of limitations thing? Or? I think what it is is it's, it's relevance to the case in which was filed in court. I th- so like the one woman who filed in court was a temp the temple employee and like around the, t- the same time it involved uh, the other woman who's testifying is a former assistant of his former former agent. Uh, they basically are saying everyone else isn't really relevant to this specific trial. So I think it, I don't know if it's a statute of limitations thing more if it's a relevance to the trial thing. But it's still pretty damning that you have two pe- two women con- uh, accusing you of court. Uh, so that's happening. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just think it makes those singular testimonies much more important. It I does. I mean, it sucks for the other women who aren't able to really prosecute. But well, I think they can. I just don't think they have. Okay. I think it's what it is. I don't know if it's a statute of limitations things or none of them are because Gloria Steinem's representing this one, this one, uh, you know, uh, accuser and. 
I don't know if everyone's repped by Gloria Steinem. I think it's what it is. So. Right. It's interesting, and the second thing is basically, he got the uh, his his lawyer argued to have the court uh, the the jury picked from a different uh, county than Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, where it's currently at. Hmm. Basically, claiming that <laughs> Bill Cosby and everyone knows what's going on, and you need to find people without bias. But the question is, could you really find anyone without bias about what's going on if you just move a county over or two? I mean, that's a weird no. thing. It's I mean, it's such a big thing. The guy's been a mega star since the 60s, so pretty much anyone in any walk of life has heard of him at one point in time. I know. I guess the question is, like, I th- I mean, obviously, you, you, you really can't get someone who's never heard of you as Bill Cosby, but you can probably get people that, like, have not yet fully made up their mind on whether the, he's guilt, the guilt or innocence. I think it's going to be your most interesting part about it. And that kind of parlays into, like, another topic of a big thing that happened this week, too. And um, I don't want to make light of this stuff, but... Uh, there's a guy named Jamie Kilstein who's a comedian, activist. Kilstein is a uh, he's a host of Citizen Radio with his ex-wife, and he basically made the announcement that he's leaving the podcast uh, this this week. And basically, it turns out there's been accusations of uh, harassment. Uh, I don't really know the full details. They didn't really say the, what exactly happened. They didn't really say it goes far as saying sexual assault, but they said harassment and. Um, you know, basically uh, him him harassing women, and the funny, th- the flip side about it is, Kilstein has been this huge advocate for women's rights and feminist rights and all this kind of stuff, and like he started he started this podcast based on that. Uh, a lot of his career has been based on that. A lot of the music he's written's been based on that over the years too. And basically, he up and left, and his ex wife's he what he said on the radio was kind of a little bit more of a, hey, I'm having a problem with alcohol and I need to go into rehab and all the kind of stuff, which is a very admirable thing to get yourself uh, rehab for that kind of stuff but uh, the underlying part of it which his wife later posted on Facebook was well you know he has these other problems too there's been these rumors about him you know harassing people and uh, we basically decided to part ways so his wife kind of came clean after he left and he's kind of since like retreated and gone into hiding but it's this crazy accusations and like I'm not sitting here saying these accusations aren't true but like you know so far no no uh no, uh, no, no, uh, no lawsuits have been pressed or anything like that. So it's, he's basically right now. It's it's you know trial by it's it's trial in the court of a public opinion right now. So it's interesting, but it also sounds like it's something that there's been these rumors all, all along too. So it might have been something he's been up to for a while too. So hopefully someone will get to the bottom of it. There will actually be like actual charges pressed and or an apology of some sort will happen. But it's a very interesting development because it's it's almost like. Uh, it's like finding out that, like you know, uh, you know, super uh, Captain America works for Hydra. You know what I mean? Like it's just like you know, <laughs> which is which is actually a current storyline. That's why I brought it up. But it's one of those types of scenarios too, where it's just like the biggest advocate for this in the circle. It, it turns out he's you know he, he he's a very it's very hypocritical. If it turns out for these things to be true. So. I mean, maybe it's right. Maybe he, uh, you know, she said he had problems with alcohol. Maybe that's exactly what happened. Maybe it's possible. Did some shit while he was drunk and mm-hmm. was like, I can't really on good judgment continue yeah. to be this this feminist yeah uh, you know pro woman guy after this happened and yeah, yeah it's i i mean i'm 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 trying to stay neutral in this whole thing like i i don't want to victim blame i don't want i don't want to protect a, an attacker by any stretch of the imagination but it it does raise those questions all again 
that happened even just a couple months back in the comedy community about, you know, if there is a problem, there are people you go to and the people you go to aren't bigger comedians to condemn them on social media uh, to, or to, you know, to attack them on social media. It's not going to UCB and saying, hey, kick this guy and get rid of his show. It's like yeah, there's yeah, police sure. and that kind of stuff. And it started up a whole whirlwind of many well-known comedians got involved in it. Like, you know, Michael Che and Kurt Metzger voiced their opinions. I feel like Kurt Metzger caught more shit than the actual accuser. Uh, Absolutely. And the guy that actually, you know, was was basically taken to task by a lot of what they call SJW, social justice warriors, they ended up, uh, some of them got sued for defamation by this guy that was accused. And, and some of them won, and, and some of them lost the lawsuit. So this guy, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, he's made a lot of money because he was accused of being a rapist and no one pressed charges against him, which... Um, I understand that there's an environment where sometimes women don't feel like they should, like they, they can press charges and that's a shitty, shitty situation that needs to be addressed. But at the same time, like when, where does the line of like free speech versus defamation of character happen sometimes? And I, and, and they kind of, I, I feel like the lesson was taught previously, but this seems like this could potentially be a whole nother thing too. If like lawsuits aren't, if, if shit said that shouldn't be said or something. So I don't know, man, I, I, I feel bad for anyone who ever has felt who's ever been assaulted or or has felt, you know, that has got to be a tremendously crazy thing to feel. I have mothers. I have wives. I have nieces. Wives. I have wives, a wife. Wow. I have nieces. And, like, I couldn't imagine any of them having these, having these things happen to them. But, you know, statistically speaking, like, this shit happens more frequently than it should. Um, so I, I hope someone gets to the bottom of this. I hope it's not hearsay on the Internet. I hope there's actually something that happens with that legally allows like actual evidence to be presented and whatnot because like if this guy did do the shit that he's being accused of sure. like it's fucking terrible um, so I hope that it actually happens and it's not a court of a public opinion type of thing because I mean you know the court of public opinion is sometimes right it's sometimes very wrong you know you can never get it you can never get it fully correct unless you actually present facts in front of people that are like basically trained and it's their job to do this type of stuff so has it said exactly what he's been accused of it, it didn't from what I understand it just said it like seemed kind of vague it, it, it did seem vague and that's why I'm like man I hope like either there's actual facts presented by someone who's claiming this or uh, it stops happening because I you know like Sometimes people smell blood in the water and all of a sudden it's like, boom, it becomes this huge thing. And, and I hope someone presents facts because I, I would like to hear them. Yep. So who knows? Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's kick it over to Seton Smith, our interview with Seton Smith here on the Laugh Button Podcast. Let's talk to him and then we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the back end. Have you, had, have, you had this new, have you had the new menu at all? No. Oh, it's amazing. The food, really? the new cellar food is like, it's, I don't know, it's, just, it's good as shit. Well, because it used to be like mostly Middle, middle Eastern stuff. Mm -hmm. or something but I like think that. they just lost their love of making it. And now it's like they just revamped the menu to get, like, you know, they got a nice steak, a nice pan fried chicken. I like. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. They, I, have to, I have to check it out. I know that they were redoing the kitchen. For like a year. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time. And now, the fuck, now it's back hardcore. It also makes sense, though, because they can, because, uh, you know, they're doing shows at the Village Underground now. They're doing mm -hmm. shows at the Fat Black Pussycat. They're doing mm -hmm. shows at the Cellar. It's have like, you started, by the way? Oh yeah, I hit record. We'll just, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. All right, well, cool. I'll, I'll, there'll be some heavy editing at some point too. So sure, if, we, if you sure. ever need that's to stop what, or anything, just let me know. That's what they all say we're not live. We're not live. <laughs> they all go there. That's gonna be yeah, we'll edit that. We'll edit that. Yeah, we'll Seton Smith out. doesn't like Jews. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, if you go there, you go there. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't you worry. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's also very smart too because they're doing all these shows and they're not and everyone's eating dinner somewhere else. 
it's like why not keep them there and you know and, and sell them a dinner too why and they're not? packing it out anyway and Noam what? plays music Noam's having a good life you I know, know. yeah I know. it's just like that's how an owner because here's the thing too like sometimes you think about being famous it's like you're not really famous it doesn't matter if you're famous around the world. You're only famous where you live. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, all we care about is being in the shit where you live at, and that's what Noam has. He's got this block in the next block. Yeah, he's got, a whole, he's got two blocks in Lower East Side, of, I mean, Lower West Side of Manhattan. Like, <laughs> how else, how much more kingling he plays in his band, in the middle of everything. Good <laughs> Some life. of the best comedians in the world and whatever, too. So mm-hmm. They all cater to him. It's kind of cool. So, so you got passed down to Seller when? 2013. What was that all about? Like, I love asking people this story because some people are like, oh man, like I had to follow so and so and it's a killer. And like, and I got oh, up, like, how, how's your story go with how you got past My story was lucky. Like, yeah. I, uh, I got on Mulaney and then it fell up. I think it was like the first iteration with Fox, uh, sorry, NBC. Yeah, NBC had it first. Yeah. Fell apart. And then I, uh, I was being a stand in on the Chris Rock movie. Top five, five, and Neil Brennan was on there just doing some punch-up work, hanging out, and for some reason, I I know me and Neil met before, but that was a time for some reason we just talked a lot because it was eight hours. I had literally nothing to do, and he (laughs) had nothing to do because so we just got cool and close. And uh, then I saw him at the cellar, and he was sitting next to Esty, and he was like, "Oh, you know, he's funny," and she was like, "Good, I got an audition on Friday." Oh, jeez. Yeah, and I got an audition, and I remember uh, Greer Barnes was hosting. And uh, which is weird because I've never seen him host since. But <laughs> and I'm like, that was weird. Griff Hart was hosting, but uh, yeah, he was hosting, and uh, you know, he's mass supportive. And it was actually weird because I was in a bad place in stand up mentally in my head because I was like trying a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, so I really didn't have a steady city act. But it was weird, like something happened in the room that kind of I reacted off of that, and then it just I don't know, it was magic. And that cl- once you get on that stage, especially if you do a lot of stages, you get on that stage and you hear the crystal clear sound. And you like you feel the energy, and you go, "Oh, this is this is the easiest show close stage I'll ever be on in my life." And so, yeah, yeah that's what that shows. I mean, people people romanticize that stage, but it sounds like there's like a whole reason to do that because um, of that. I guess. I mean, if you're two, three years in, maybe you don't give a fuck. But <laughs> I guess, yeah, I, I had a lot of. I when I first moved to New York, I think I, for the first three years, I just walked by the cellar just because it was like a lot of magic. Yeah. And I wouldn't even walk in because I didn't want to like deal with that anxiety of like being around, you know. Not even famous people, it's just your own insecurity of like, yeah. they don't want to talk to me. Which, I actually don't know where the fuck that started. You know what, you know what? I'm thinking, side note, I'll tell you where that started. All right. When you first start doing comedy, and it's not the successful people that treat you like shit, it's the dudes who probably have five minutes more than you treat you like shit. <laughs> and that gets in your head, and yeah. you think, oh, okay, well, if this five-minute motherfucker will treat me like shit, Bill Burr, who has 10 hours, is going to treat me like pure garbage. And you go, oh, that's the exact opposite. Well, it's just ego. Like, the, your competition to them, Bill Burr's not competition to you. No, no. Yeah. He looks at you like a little... I mean, even, even did, like, even I remember Michael Che and I were in the same... Um, uh, we were auditioning for Mulaney, and we both in the waiting room, and there's a few other dudes and stuff too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there was no competition. I thought I did think to myself, oh well, he's so hot right now, he's gonna get <laughs> anything he wants. So he was going after Motif. Yeah, he was going okay. auditioning for Motif. Okay. Listen, once you're black and you're a comic, uh, and they know you, they're gonna let you audition for everything black in Hollywood. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating that. Like. <laughs> When I was on Mulaney, I auditioned for everything. I was like, there's no way to hell I'm going to get in this. I'm not 
gonna get in like uh, straight out of Compton. Like I don't even though I don't know. Sometimes if I work hard enough, I can act and shit. But I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if my ego allows me to be an actor. Sometimes. Do you think it's race related or is it just the way Hollywood stereotypes people? Because like you know, everyone's looking for like the fat bearded uh, white dude, or is it the, the everyone's looking for like the black guy? Is is it Hollywood or is it more race? I don't know if they're looking for the black guy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Hollywood's a little bit better than that. That was more of a thirties thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, I no, meant no, like no. The, you fit you fit a stereotype, uh, good or bad of like like me i'm a fat bearded guy There's, absolutely i'm a dime a dozen you, you know? want that argument i mean you want yeah. a, a, a groove i don't know i was you know what it is in the beginning it's just people just trying to figure out what you are especially when yeah. you're young you're new they go well can you do like can you be this hood can you be that <laughs> geeky can you be that funny can you be that serious my agents really were just experimenting with me yeah because i can if i give a fuck i can do pretty well but then sometimes you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go there, you know. Just I just realize like, oh, okay, this is why some actors are like applauded because they're like, yeah. I just don't want to be uh, in that situation. Because I said they're great actors who do consciously do shitty work, <laughs> you know. They consciously <laughs> go, this script sucks, but I'm here. I'm collecting a paycheck. Yeah, I'm yeah. giving everything on to it, and like I can do that with a shitty show on stand up. Like I can believe yeah. the next joke's gonna work, <laughs> but I can't do that in acting. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like some some of the guys, it's like they got nothing less to, left to prove. Like you know, like the later works of De Niro can be an argument. For for that or like uh, Michael Caine he always kind of shows up in these really random movies where you're like is he collecting the paycheck in his defense I will <laughs> say though and De Niro and Caine's defense there's just not the motherfuckers ain't writing a lot of 75 year old scripts your 30 year old scripts or your 75 year old scripts should be different scripts <laughs> you know like you just stop they just eventually stop offering you all that shit yeah yeah they, that's very true it's very true you know like I remember asking my friend asked, told me this shit he was like what about uh, Jim Carrey what's Jim Carrey doing why is he doing it well there's two things one once you make a hundred million dollars yeah. like where else is there to go Exactly. And be like, how many masks? The mask, the liar, liars can you get? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel like when it comes to comedy and movies, people have like a hot five to eight years, and that's it. Well, there's nothing else to say. Yeah. Honestly, I sometimes think to myself like, why can't they last forty years? Nobody has forty years of shit. Okay, like, very few Fair people. Enough. I mean. Eddie Murphy, I, I dare you to find somebody like who has been who made a hundred million dollar movie one year one and then a hundred million dollar movie year thirty. Yeah, I, I defy you in the history of a uh, film to find that motherfucker. I don't know if there's many out there. You know, and Mr. Church, I defend. He did that last year. That movie was great. That was one of the better movies he's ever done. Oh, he's done some great stuff like Dreamgirls. I think he got was an Academy Award nomination. He nomination for and he, because he did Norbit, he couldn't get Dreamgirls. Oscar, even though Norbit was funny, it was good. I mean, like I, I, I think sometimes there's a there's a cerebralness to comedy that just doesn't need to exist. There's some people that are just like, this is too low brow for me, so I can't laugh, laugh at the fart joke. But even though that, that's that's a fucking funny fart joke, yeah, it's fucked up. Like some people are just gonna get lifetime Oscars versus a real Oscar. Yeah. like Eddie's getting a lifetime Oscar. Yeah, I don't go fuck. They're giving yeah. him a lifetime Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Chaplin got the lifetime Oscar. I think Mel Brooks is he? Did he get one or he's getting gonna get one? I don't know. I don't know if he's ever gotten an Oscar. He he'll probably get a lifetime one. You have to get, all comedians get the lifetime. They never get the real one. Yeah, I mean, like what? Well, what comedians do serious work and get an? Because like comedy is so. I don't feel like the Oscars really pay attention to comedy. It sucks because comedy, I feel like, is tougher than drama. It completely is. Because if you got a shitty movie, you can at least be like, well, that guy acted well, or the cinematography was great, or mm -hmm. the lighting was good, or something like that. But if like. That shit's not funny. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It's just not funny. Doesn't matter. Doesn't you matter how good the story is. I feel like it's so much more tougher to do a, a comedy and have it be a successful thing. I mean, especially now. I mean, how many? Like, I literally, I remember thinking about the other day. I was like, like counting how many great comic movies have been just in the last twenty years, let alone like 10, 15. Like, I was like, all right, yeah. what, uh, let's see, Wedding, 
not wedding crashers, wedding planner. No, wedding fuck, singer, wedding snow, Sandler. I know how many. No, it's the uh, <laughs> it's the fucking one with the girls. The, the oh, McCarthy bridesmaids, breakout, bridesmaids, bridesmaids, bridesmaids my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bridesmaids was twenty ten. To me, that's fucking. That it seems like yesterday. I know. So that was the first funny movie of this decade. So I'm like, what the fuck else happened this decade? <laughs> Trainwreck was awesome. Trainwreck. Uh, Hangover. I felt the first Hangover. Hangover. Was that was that was in the arts, nigga. That wasn't the last. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I just like so I'm thinking like the Hangover. I'm thinking like so four oh five. What was that? Oh seven. The forty year old virgin. Also oh four. Talladega Nights was oh five. Like th- that was a good decade. That was what, a. What but, about like the Heat, the Paul Feig movies? I think Paul Feig's movies with Melissa McCarthy are pretty good. People like Paul Feig. I don't. I'm. I'm. To me, Paul Feig. Well, yeah, I ain't gonna talk shit, but he might be casting. Once. I'm gonna go talk <laughs> hey, shit. Man, about he Paul might be Feig. doing Ghostbusters with another all all man cast. Fuck, let's make it all black this time. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> like the backlash wasn't big enough for yeah, that. No, right. Remember when that was our biggest problem in the world? It was just an all female cast of Ghostbusters. It was all everyone's complaining about in the summer. Yeah. You now know, it's like that was a lifetime ago. The Republicans so finally got. got I, you know, this is my theory, and I'm not even gonna. Uh, I know I'm deciding. I think when they said that the end of the world was gonna happen um, after gay marriage, yeah, I don't think they meant that like. Like figuratively, I think they meant that like a warning. Like if you make that <laughs> we will fuck this place up. <laughs> this is your final warning, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, pass it if you want, but we gonna kick every Mexican out of this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. are you a political guy? Like, do you follow politics? Lately, I guess I I used to enjoy. I enjoy like C-SPAN type stuff. Okay. I enjoy the political game more than the actual political. Uh, fighting because the fighting to me just gets monotonous like oh i'm right but you're right i'm right and i'm right and there's like no stakes whatsoever yeah versus like if you actually like listen like potus radio on xm radio yeah. you start to like see why they did this press conference it's not because they're trying to create destroy the world it literally is a direct response to the other motherfucker yeah. oh, like for example when elizabeth warren got uh uh uh, was trying she to was silenced or something. She was silenced yeah. reading the Martin Luther yeah. King letter. That had nothing to do with the Martin Luther King letter. She was just talking shit about a guy. And so, what's his name? Mitch McConnell. Like he was like he walked up slowly to like interrupt her, yeah. just in general. And then she pulled the letter. I started reading uh, right when he got to interrupt her. So it's so, a strategy. Yeah. So okay. strategy. And then the fucking camera saw that. Then she got to read the letter outside. Yeah. And so she kind of won up him for that day. And then Mitch had his. Own, and it's like every day there's a back yeah. and forth, and it's a fun game. But then motherfuckers go like, ah, we're gonna die we're like ah. you know, i mean but some of these guys are really like you know they're really doing things i mean i'm not terrified of these executive orders because if you actually read about a lot of these executive orders it's basically just him making like a tweet on paper like, yeah no it's amazing. it means nothing sometimes think, it means a ton of shit like we're gonna keep people at, at the borders mm. but sometimes it's just like yeah i think we should do this so I, I don't get terrified of the executive orders, but some of the some of the intent behind it, it just blows my mind. It's like it's hilarious. It's like, but it's also it's like, how do you you, t- you terrify people on a day to day basis? Like, and do, and it's what's hilarious about it is he does uh, the exact same thing every other president has ever done. He just does it in a terrifying way. <laughs> You're like he really? he physically cannot deport more Mexicans than Obama did, <laughs> but but he just he just sounds ugly when he does it. Obama made you feel like, oh, you know, this thing thing things happen. Well, <laughs> Trump's also, like, I, well, yeah. I, yeah. I also feel like there's there's maliciousness and there's tent behind it. Like Obama I never got the impression that he was doing it from a malicious point of view. Whereas I feel like Trump sometimes does it from a, I I don't mean to get too far into politics, but like I it's do okay. feel like, talk it out. I, I do feel like Trump is like uh 
it's 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 a pandering thing. It's pandering to the people that are like sitting in their house in the Midwest somewhere, terrified of Muslims because they've maybe never met a Muslim. I agree. You but know? Obama's the exact opposite for us. Yeah. He appeased the fuck out of us because yeah. we were so angry about Bush, and then he yeah. came, we came in. He Gave made us, us a hug, made us feel all great, and pissed them off. And now yeah. Trump is going to make them feel good and piss us off. And this is just a fun little cycle we're in. I, I mean, I'm, I live in New Jersey, and New Jersey politics, for as long as I can remember, has been like complicated. <laughs> Oof. Chris Christie's there now. He's almost out. But it's been uh, it's been voter Republican in. Fuck that guy. He did a shitty job. Get the other guy. Yeah. Democrat runs. That guy did a shitty job. Fuck him. We'll vote for the other guy. It's been literally this Republican swapping with a Democrat swapping for like as long as I can remember. And, and they do that on the national scale. Uh, exactly. And and it's uh, it's hilarious because they all kind of want this. I'm not, I'm not even being conspiratorial. Like they all yeah. want the same thing. Well, you know, paper they all kind of like the democratic party has gotten more and more right uh uh yeah. and the and the republican party has gotten more not even just possessive for no i don't know yeah i think i think maybe the result of a the redistricting has the fucked gerrymandering, up, gerrymandering yeah, yeah. but also to the apathy like when apathy exists yeah motherfucker the crazy motherfuckers have the longest voice when most of us are like ah. <laughs> but that's i mean that you could you could see that in the statistics what 40 some people of the voting eligible po- voting population didn't even vote so it's like but it's all, they all yeah so you right. have like 20% versus 22 or 3% literally so not even a full half of the population that's eligible voted so it's like you know what let me tell you why i like trump yeah, real quick okay. this is what i like about trump there was this book i was reading 48 laws of power i okay. got to finish this book it's a okay. great book but there's one chapter uh law all 27 okay. how to start a cult <laughs> and in how to start a cult okay you make grand gestures and you make grand vague promises okay and the more specific you get the worse it gets so gotcha. you the, okay. make it vague and make it grand and then because people need to believe in something and i've realized i thought about that i was like well what has trump exactly promised oh, nothing yeah. oh, but yeah. he's he's made it very grand completely so it's like well he's promised evil but he made it grand and so vague yeah. that a little bit of evil will appease them yeah, yeah, yeah. versus <laughs> so i'm like ah, you know hey if they need to be appeased evil it up nigga yeah, um, yeah, I, I see that, and and he's definitely had media training. You know, he's definitely one of those guys that like understands. Oh, he's not media training. I think he's a media fucking master guru. Yeah. He's he's. I think he. I think he's training us. If anything, I don't know. Thirty def- years of practice. There definitely is that, and I and I know some people that have worked for uh, him for on various levels. Really? Like, uh, well, for like the, the Apprentice and stuff like that. Not for him now, uh-huh. but like when he was on TV, and they're like, yeah, he just he just likes to read a room and go with the flow of the room, and if if there's ever an opportunity to make it look like he's the best guy there he just runs with that shit and i think he's doing the same thing now i mean you're absolutely right nothing has ever been specific about his policy it's just None. like we're going to do the best thing ever we're going to repeal obamacare and replace it with something better i literally heard what him the say fuck is that better you know literally i heard him say in a michigan speech right before the election he said all your dreams will come true <laughs> that was a sentence out of his mouth and they were like all right i'm like how is he gonna live that up how that is, that is a happen? promise <laughs> all my dreams Damn Trump, <laughs> you are fucking. This is a good. So, so you're not terrified of Trump like some people are. It sounds like. Uh no, I'm not as terrified. I definitely react to the way he talks, but like as a speaker, I kind of understand that like there are certain things you can do to incite motherfuckers, no matter yeah. if they like you or not. Like if you listen to Malcolm X shit, like he's reacting to certain shit that happened like 70 years ago. I still get mad just the way he talks. Like oh fuck yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> 
wait, white man needs it. I'm like, wait, I, I, okay, all those white people involved are dead. <laughs> I didn't calm down. <laughs> it was funny. I was actually on the drive in the work this morning. I was listening to uh, Patrice O'Neill's speech. Oh, not speech, but interview with Ron Bennington on Unmasked. They finally released it on iTunes. You should check it out. It's I should it. love that. It's great. But he talks about Bennington's like a shit. he talks about how he. Patrice doesn't view white guys as the problem. He views it as like, what's the agenda of the black man? He's like, what, what is our agenda now that we're in this scenario where we actually have the ability to be a voice and do stuff? It's no longer like, and I've always loved Patrice's opinion on stuff because it's never what you think it would be. It's always like, he's going this, nope, he went that way. So yeah. uh, he was always talking about that. And like, I, it was just really inspiring to hear him talk because like, I love listening to Patrice talk about just... Be righteous, and not righteous as in like uh, right with God, but be righteous about like yourself and the type of person you are, and have some side of personal responsibility. And like, it's just this was two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and it still just resonates ten years later. You're just like yeah. shit, man. Like two thousand. I used to think he got funny around oh seven, but now nah, he got funny probably around oh four. Oh five? Yeah, and, and you know what, when did he die? Two thousand eleven, if I'm not mistaken. So oh, that was fuck. Or two thousand twelve, something like that. And that was the year like Mr. P came out and the elephant in the room. Like I think he was doing some of his best work right then. Yeah. So. No, he died at his peak. Peak. He was like fuck. Yeah. That's why I was so sad. Yeah. Oh, completely. And then what? Two weeks ago, Rolling Stone just re-released the top fifty greatest comedians, and he was on the list, like number thirty-five or something like that. Thirty-five. I think he's gonna. I think like with how time changes. I mean, Cosby dropped, but. It's obvious, but you can't, you can't. Yeah, it wasn't the work. <laughs> it wasn't the work, but you also can't erase his impact on, on, you can't. On, you can't. It's unfortunate, but you know, you can't, uh, whitewash is a terrible word to say, but you can't whitewash the history of Bill Cosby. No. Uh, his last special actually legitimately was good. Uh, far from finished. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, funny enough, before all these allegations and that special came out, I saw him at the Count Basie Theater in like, uh, Red Bank, New Jersey. Mm. And he was probably 75, 76 at the time. Still fucking funny as shit, man. Great. Like, yeah, no. He's... Still talking about his brother. And, like, just, like, it's all, it's just, it was Bill Cosby, you know, so. No, I, I yeah, he could have been, I mean, I could have been. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, all that lost potential. <laughs> and Bill Cosby. <laughs> he had a good, lost Bill Cosby potential. He had a good another 10 years in him. <laughs> Maybe 15, Do you shit. think that Netflix special ever come out, the one that he was supposed to release when all the scandal happened? Maybe after he dies. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, it's it's recorded. Netflix has it. They paid for it. I know. That's got to come out. I mean. I wonder if we can figure out a way to get that just to see it and watching it in the context and framework of knowing what we know now versus. It's not as fun. Yeah. It's, I mean, in general, it's just, yeah, you're right. Like, rape is such a not a fun. That's true. Crime. Murder. That's like, oh, <laughs> where was he going with that? What drove him there? But rape is so great. <laughs> it, is, it is. But I. I mean, like, where do you fall on, like, uh, I mean, the debate of, like, you know, can, is there a line you can draw on comedy? Like, do you fall anywhere on that line in particular? Oh, I can, yeah, I can look at stuff artistically. Like, I can watch, I mean, theoretically, I can watch Birth of a Nation. Okay. Like, the I, new one or the old one? The old one. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah, good point. The new one applies, <laughs> a, too. The new one applies to this argument, too. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> That was fucked up situation right there. Yeah, that's like that was so murky. That's like that was literally an SUV SVU episode. It, it looked like, yeah, it was like you know someone planting some evidence somewhere and some. It was it was weird. I don't even know the whole details about the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing was just like, well, who's right? Who's wrong? What could have happened? Yeah, fuck man, that sucks. But the movie trailer didn't look that good in the first place. That's what probably like. Is that what it was? Just stir up some excitement for a movie. It was. It was just like <laughs> do I want to see. I don't like slave movies like that. Like yeah. like. Like, I don't know, I think, like, movies are supposed to be a fantasy. Like, they're supposed to be an escape. Yeah. And black people have not found that 
that groove decade. I think the 70s, personally, the best black movies always tend to, we look the coolest sometimes around the six, mid-60s and early 70s. Like, that's our, like, coolest time black people are black. Oh, <laughs> uh, in my opinion. But, like... No, I mean, those movies still hold up. Well, maybe not, like... Uh, scenically or like 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 story wise, but like tonally, I feel like there's movies still like there's yeah. I'm not saying the black exploitation so much, yeah, is, but yeah. like I'm just saying that like as far as like white white people have westerns, yeah. they have the night they have the 30s where they're that cool, yeah, they have yeah. the 50s where they were like this biker gang they have, yeah, yeah. you know, there's just decades where yeah, you like were heroic or even medieval and shit. <laughs> and I just feel like 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 the only time we really <laughs> had that time where we were like the shit, it was like okay, there was a there was a gangster period in the late 60s, <laughs> we had the music, we had the gangsters. Uh, <laughs> slavery was not that time. No, I, I, I can see how that, that uh, I've never even thought about that, that, but why would I? My experience is complete, as a white man in America is- You don't need that fantasy. It's definitely different than yours, so uh, no, I don't think either one is better or worse. Well, actually, yours, yours would probably- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you're worse. <laughs> I don't think slavery's worse, it's just- Oh man, you got you caught me. I'm like, what? that's the dumbest thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I don't know why you, like, you got I'm yourself- sorry, I'm You're sorry. in this whole white guilt tizzy that you've created for yourself. I'm sorry, Seaton, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> so, keep apologizing. Uh, so, uh, so how'd you get in the comedy seat? <laughs> this is the problem with America. <laughs> White guilt has come out in two ways. One, destroying yourself, and two, destroying Mexicans. Like You got to just sit here and talk it out. So I understand you were born in, in California? If I was mistaken. born in San Diego, yes. Around the white man. No, I'm joking, no. Oh, man. So I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it's funny to catch up with you because the last time I saw you, uh, we were at Comic-Con in New York. Oh, yeah. And you did a panel for us. Yeah, that was dope. It was a great panel. Unfortunately, I lost the audio. So really? that audio's never been released. So that, that happened in that room for that 300 or so people, and that was it. That audio got messed up. I that wish. was an interesting show, too. We basically did a fantasy draft for the mm-hmm. people at home who didn't hear it because he didn't, unfortunately. We did a fantasy draft, and we basically got uh, comedians such as yourself. We got Danny Tamborelli, Louis J. Gomez, uh, Janet Varney. Basically, pick like almost do like a fantasy football style. Pick your Avengers. Mm-hmm. And uh, you started off great. One Punch Man. And everyone was like, yo, this is great. Yeah, I was going. I was good. <laughs> I was in a good role. And then everything fell apart after that. Well, I think Danny fell apart faster than you did because Danny at the end was just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And he, oh. and he prepared. He really? Was, he was like, what if I pick these? He was like emailing back and forth with us. Oh, and then you had geez. a guy like Lewis, and Lewis is, Lewis is like, I love the fact that I know nothing about what's going on. So <laughs> I'm just going to come here and make like, you know, just just giant, un, un, like, uh, qualified decisions about mm-hmm. stuff. And he came in second place. He thought it was so funny. I was just fucking around. But then I started, <laughs> gi- I'm so supportive. I started giving my fun ideas to the chick next to me. Janet? Remember, like, I yeah. started calling people on stage to yeah, play yeah, around. Yeah. And then she started calling more people on stage. I'm like, don't take my, don't take my bit. <laughs> That's my thing. I'm just making. No, I was like, I don't care. At one point, there was probably five or six people that weren't the panelists on stage, and I'm like, and people were like trading them because, like, you know, if we, someone stole the flash, they could steal the flash. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and they were happy. I'm like, are we all right with like just trading humans on the stage right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> was like, there was that little Puerto Rican Wolverine. <laughs> there was, and there was the one woman who was like Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy. But we well, thought she painted she was, all green. She was. She yeah. Was Gamora, and we're like, She-Hulk, come up here. And she's like, I'm not She-Hulk. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was funny. It was a good time. It was a good time. Um, but we're gonna try to revive that and do that in a couple more spots too. But it got me thinking of like, uh, I just saw the movie Logan. Oh, is it out already? No, I got. I got to. I went to advanced press screening. Ooh, we gotta talk about Logan. You're a fan of comic books. I am. I think this might be one of the best movies that of of the entire X Men series. Really, it's like Dark Knight level good. Really, yeah. I love the trailer. 
trailer's great. The Johnny Cash song, mm-hmm. covering the Nine Inch Nails Hurt song. But uh, what comic book are they? What storyline? They're are they doing covering? the Old Man Logan storyline, but like it's such a small version of Old Man Logan because like the book, it's like you know America's divided up into all these different sections, and the family, the Hulk family, owns property and like all these. They're like they're like they're like the landlords of these sections. That makes sense. And there's uh and there's like a blind Hawkeye, and they're trying to get like Hawkeye's daughter somewhere. So like. It really, it really only in tribute of Wolverine's old and dying does it really kind of pay homage to the movie. But I know that you're a comic book fan, so I gotta tell you, go see Logan. It's worth your time. Okay, my girl wants to see one. My girl actually was pointing out she wants to see it. I actually could watch the first two again. Yeah, just to catch up. I mean, even though you don't need the first to. one is like. The first Wolverine movie? You don't I, like it or don't like it? I don't, I don't like it, man. Uh, I was surprised by it. I was just like, I thought it'd be like a lot worse. And I was like, oh, this isn't bad. And then number two, I saw on a plane. I was like, hey, this is not as, this is better than the last one. This is weird. Well, the guy that directed that one directed the new one, too. Oh, so the, the Wolverine the, and Logan are directed by the same guy. The first and the last one? Two and three. Two and three. Oh, oh, that's cool. And and he he wrote three as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, dude. So it's it's good. I, I got to say, like, it's worth your time. It's good to see. Like, I mean... <sighs> There's people that are going to complain about it, wow, the and the people that are going to complain about it are going to be like, "Well, we haven't seen the X Men go to space yet. We haven't seen the X Men fight this crazy, you know, character." And in Logan, you know, the enemy kind of is—it's a bunch of guys in military outfits that he's literally ripping to shreds. Like it's a hard R, like mm. straight up. But, uh, but like, uh, I, I think for like just the style of it, for what it is, it's got a more of a Western vibe to it. It's got mm. like it's almost like a Western meets a road trip movie where it's literally like two or three characters trying to get where they're going. But like, dude, I'll tell you kind what. Kind of like, uh, uh, what's that movie? Uh, fucking Children of Men. It's very Children of Men. I actually. find all these all these Marvel movies take very, very cool children. indie movies yeah. and then just transform me like, oh, like Deadpool was Fight Club. Yes. Um, yes, it was. Fuck, what was the last thing I just seen? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna think. I'm gonna start playing on this. I'm gonna do the play this game all day. No, that's fine, man. I, I'm a big comic book fan, big comic book movie fan too. Like I and I read, I read all the Punisher War Zones and War Journals as a kid, and like nobody was talking to me. I was that kid that were. I'm like, what's going on? And then like I would read. I read Gotham Knights, which is the book that now the Gotham TV show is based on. So I went back to like my house and my childhood home and got a couple of my comic books. I'm looking I'm like shit. Like everything I read has been turned into a movie at some point. I didn't realize it. Yeah, I know. I um I was really kind of happy with uh. Nolan for really doing the, the actual Batman. arc yeah. of Batman. Even though he didn't put Azrael in there, yeah. I didn't need Azrael. Azrael wasn't the greatest of characters. Nah. No, I mean, retrospect, I was like, no, <laughs> no. I mean, like. <laughs> well, it's like Watchmen. The bad guy can't be a giant octopus in New York City. Like, no. It's got to be. It's gotta be it doesn't make sense for a movie. It doesn't make sense for a movie. But, in the, book, sense for him. but the, book, <laughs> the book, like, Azrael was boring, and you yeah. thought, oh, he has a cool outfit, so let's see if he gets interesting. Yeah. And then, like, we had him for, like, three years. And we're like, oh, no, there's nothing here. I remember in the mid 90s, we were like, okay, we, well, we can have Bruce Wayne back whenever you're ready, DC. <laughs> and, like, him coming back. Back, that storyline, Night's End, yeah. that was an awesome-ass storyline, um, in my opinion. But it was yeah. kind of cool. They kind of like took Nightfall and Night's End. So they took the beginning of Night's Fall, yeah. and they took the beginning, end of Night's End, and then made part three. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, yeah, that's smart as shit, Nolan. <laughs> I fucks with Nolan, man. I really, every- Inception, n- great movie. 90% of his movies. The only movie I really could not, I didn't give a fuck about was Insomnia, but I could actually watch it again to see, because now- That about- was Nick Cage? That was Al Pacino of all random people. Insomnia. Oh, with Nick. I want to say I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of something else. But no, yeah, Insomnia okay. came after Memento. Okay. And that and, was well, a, that was a great movie. Too. That was a perfect fucking movie. <laughs> and then um, I saw them in a million times. That, but then like uh, Insomnia was about a Pacino went to Alaskan town 
to to tell okay. the crime, I, I but he couldn't sleep. Yeah, I remember. And you okay. were like, it looked cool, but then you step back and go, who gives a fuck? Like it was one of those. <laughs> Even though Interstellar to me, I did not think Interstellar would be that good. I thought I saw that shit on a plane, and then I landed, and then I immediately went home and was like, girlfriend, we got to see this movie, and I sat through that movie again. <laughs> I've never done that before. That's that's a movie that strikes me as like you got to see it in a the theater, giant sound, giant screen. I got a 55 inch screen TV. Oh, that was the only good. thing I got after doing a TV show. I was like, I'm going to get this. <laughs> and uh yeah, that cuz that's you're right. That is a fucking that's a big movie. So let let's uh let's talk about Melania a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's uh it to me it was a show that like kind of could for a while. I feel like it was it was here then it was there, then it was being retooled, then it ended up here and whatnot too. Like and then yeah. it ends up on Fox. Like do you do, now, now that you have some perspective on it, a couple of years, like, do do you feel like uh, it was the product you, you you guys initially thought it was going to be? Or? I wasn't part of the initial thought okay. of it. I was, I came in like it was almost it was ninety percent of all Melanie's vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we all just kind of had to play our roles. Um, was the vision? I I think he's always been like he wish he made it weirder sooner. Because okay. I really do think like. We started off weird. I mean, we started off okay, and then we really got found our voice. I think in mid season, it's just like yeah. I think by then the audience was just the patience wasn't there because especially now, like especially with those kind of sitcoms, mm-hmm. people used to just give it a year, give it a half a year, and then come in and go because it wasn't like they didn't have on demand, so they just be yeah. like, oh, just 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 catch shit in the middle and go, ah, oh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, Versus yeah. now, motherfuckers sit and go. Pilot, <laughs> pilot wasn't good. Fuck it, but like you know, like nobody back in the day used to have good pilots. <laughs> so it's, it I like, mean, it's true, but like some of those classic, fi- like Parks and Rec, did not have a good first season. No, Seinfeld did not have a f- good first. Watch first that three season. I dare you to watch that first Seinfeld se- pilot and tell me that show was what you thought that show was going to be. I know it was not there. <laughs> but then you have flip side stuff that wasn't successful. Have per- like you, I keep perfect think about pilots. Cheers. Yeah, had a perfect pilot, but it also had no success at first. Yeah, until Cosby came in. Uh, <laughs> I always have to point that out. Black history. Um, Black history and rape time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I actually heard about you. I first saw you, uh, I want to say it was a New York City Comedy Festival, almost right before Mulaney and things tipped for you. Oh, sure. In that, in that, in that favor. I actually remember saying, like, I just saw a new comic for the first time. I tweeted it, and you actually tweeted back. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. No problem. And I was like, I just saw a great com- new comedian for the first time, Seton Smith. He's going to be, he's going to, like, do some great things. And then sure enough, Months later, you're Mulaney, and I'm like, oh, cool, like that's great. Like, so someone else like saw this, the same thing I saw. Oh, fuck, too. man, thank you very so much. I thought that was very cool, and I was like, oh shit, man. Like, it kind of got me thinking though. Like, you went to Mulaney. What is like your ultimate goal in your in your career? Do you is it stand up purely? Is it I want to do a TV show? Is it I want to make a comic book movie? Like, what is it? Oh, um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I like making stuff, so. Um, I think I'm gonna do stand up and make movies and or stories. I don't know how to exactly do st- like right now with Comedy Central. We're doing a deal where we're gonna do the serial show. Okay. That I think is gonna be pretty wild. So that's, cool. that's what it is. I think like I grew up in my room watching, reading weird shit, watching real shit, and so I think like my stand up, my stand up right now. I used to think it was a lot more weird. It's not weird so much. It's just it plays on a particular kind of emotion to have uncomfortability with people, and I think I want to find that in film. So, anyways, I'm, I'm making too wordy. I, I like, I like, yeah, like I like. 
I always want to be like Charlie Chaplin and Richard Pryor at the same time. That's yeah. the goal. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be short of that goal. But that's uh, that's kind of like the, the 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 compass for me. So Pryor's your guy. Pryor and Chaplin. Pryor and Chaplin. They're both your guys. Yeah, I know. I mean, because Pryor didn't make movies like that. Like he was, uh, he made one. He wrote and directed one movie, probably. 20 years after he should have started. Like, I think uh, it takes, just as long as it takes to get funny, it takes yeah. as long as to be a good, like, filmmaker. Like, yeah. to me, I think top five is Chris Rock's best movie. If he came out with that mother, if he came out with that motherfucking 97, there'd be a different career, <laughs> you know? It's true. I mean, and that's and that's something, too. Like, great comedian, there's, there, there's, a, there's a list you can make, and you can title the list, great comedian, terrible movie star. And... Kevin James is one of those guys where he has good stand-up and he's I don't like his movies and Rock is you know he hasn't had like a Chris Rock movie you know what I mean top five maybe but that's not a commercial success yeah and you know what's interesting that's it's weird because of the tradition of comedians or even black comedians like we expect it and if you don't have it you're like short of it but I'm like yeah I don't know we've I mean if, if you think about the history it's not many comics that can make great movies I mean it's not like yeah. this is not like. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, really, you got to sit and think about it. All right, well, let's see. It's a see. different muscle. It's a different muscle. It, it, it literally is a different muscle. Because, like, what makes you funny on stage does not make you funny mm -hmm. necessarily in acting. And I, I don't mean that. Like, with acting, you got to, like, find the soul of that character and the find the exaggeration and find that kind of realness. And then on stage, it's more of an intimidation strength thing. you got to control the motherfuckers around you. And that's yeah. just two different muscles. And if you don't really become aware of that shit. And then also, too... Your ego as a comedian is like, I made this dope motherfucker on stage. <laughs> and then as an actor, you got to let go of everybody and let them tell you what you are. Yeah. And as a comedian, like, comedians hate that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, ego. It's, it's, it's an ego. It's pure yeah. ego. But also, like, ego made you want to be a comic. What else makes you want to get in the room and, and say all your thoughts? <laughs> that's, you know, that's an ego. It's like the fact that you would, I'll be like, oh, okay, give me money and I'll say all your thoughts. Yeah. Fuck your thoughts, nigga. <laughs> I ain't spent 15 years trying to figure out your thoughts. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah, there is something to be said about that. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I feel like every comic, you know, has some sort of uh, impetus or drive to get them on stage, whether it be validation from an audience, whether it be some guys, it's like my dad wasn't around or my mom wasn't around. Some guys yeah. are just like, yo, I just, I, I feel cocky as shit and I want to say that stuff. And I think that it reflects on the different types of comedy you have, too. I mean, like. Some people are just lonely sometimes, too. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, I'll be on the road sometimes and, like, I, all I have is, like, that. those two hours or, like, two shows. That's the only time I've talked to people all weekend. <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> you know? a lonely existence, it sounds like. I don't know if lonely is the right word. Okay. It's, 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 it's solitary? It's solitary, but, okay. like, some t uh, sometimes this is necessary to be solitary. Yeah. Like, the whole monks thing. You know, like, some monks, you know, they spend like 10 days in solitude not talking and shit stand up I've just spent three weeks on the road <laughs> you know that's and I feel great when I come back like hey yeah. people let's talk come back to New York what's up mm -hmm. I believe last night I was out on the road for like five days last week I came back yesterday went to the stand and just yeah. my girl was doing a roast I didn't even talk I just I mean I didn't even get on stage just talk to people I ain't yeah. seen Chain in a while and Monroe it's like hey I feel like uh, when we do a lot of work with comedy festivals, uh, I feel like when you have a comedy festival, it's just everyone just hanging out. Just, yeah. I, th I feel like comedians love comedy festivals for that reason alone. It's just like, hey, man, we're in a different city. None of us know anything, and we're just hanging out, and let's get some food and tell some jokes. Yeah, I love when industry's not at a festival. That's the yeah. best. When industry's not there, and all you got, all you can do is drink and have fun and talk shit. <laughs> when industry's around, it's like such a new cycle. It's, like, it's kind of like being in high school. 
at a high school party and girls in the room. Yeah. You know, you're like, uh, do you want to go talk to him? Do you want to? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny from the other side looking in. Like, I'm just as intimidated when to go up to talk to comedians. Like, at, when I'm at a festival, I'm like, oh, there's a group of guys over there. I don't want to be that guy that walks over and's like, hey, how you doing? No, you know what? That's a big valid fear because yeah. you know sometimes I'm being in that group and some dude comes and starts talking. We get like, what the fuck is this nigga? Doing? <laughs> because it's we like get smashed if I go talk to a group of guys. Literally, our only our only need in life is to be interesting. Every word has, and if, and if it's not interesting, we get angry. And then you have somebody who doesn't worry about being interesting and just wants to be nice. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this motherfucker? <laughs> it's me. So, you just described me at a festival. It's horrible. I'm joking. But festivals, though, like, no, we're, we're nice to people. I, yeah. I am. I love talking to people. Yeah, so you so, so like, a, like a Moon Tower festival sounds like it's something that you would be a fan of. Or like, yeah, Moon Tower. We're going to do Bonnaroo this year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be networking at Bonnaroo. I mean, yeah, no, it's like it's probably gonna be like ninety degrees, mm-hmm. middle of Tennessee. I got some friends there. Some friends, I'm, a lot of drugs going on down yeah, there. Yeah, I know Hannibal, and Hannibal's best friends with everybody in the world. So I'll just hang out with Hannibal. <laughs> Hannibal introduces some people too. Hannibal has one of the more uh, he has the world's most interesting man type life. He really does. He really does. I was listening to his I was listening to his podcast the other day, and he was talking about how he wants to be done doing stand up by forty mm-hmm. and just be like a real estate developer. And like he was like buying houses in Chicago, fixing them up, and like Airbnb in them. He was talking about this on his podcast. Yeah, I can see that. I, I can, can see that, that too. That's like that's like that business mind that I don't know if everyone has. He like, has it completely. Like Him. he's got like an out game or something like that. No, he's like Steve Harvey level. Like he's, oh, yeah. I mean, he's gonna make so much. He's gonna be being a billionaire before he's dead. <laughs> I can see myself being like a broke artist living and like writing books in Paris. And he's yeah. gonna he's gonna own half of New York. Well, I mean, it's a great existence though. If you can if you can you got a living and you can just support yourself, just being like you know. A broke a broke artist anywhere. I mean, honestly, the goal is to create a trust, like a big trust, and live off the interest. That's what you really want. <laughs> yeah, do. There you go. yeah. And then just like fuck, I, yeah, being a slave to money is is, is bullshit. Uh, it sucks. But I know it's tough, man. Yeah, but I mean, also creates nice art if you actually use it. Like there are certain it's weird. Like there are certain things as a writer, you'd be like, they're so obvious, painfully wise that you don't even want to write about it. Like being broke and yeah, and being horny and. Uh, what else? Goals and dreams and shit. <laughs> As opposed to all that, you'd be like, "Oh, you airline food, right?" So yeah, I'm just gonna write about airline food. Why? Why is the TSA so weird? Hey, what's the deal with this food? Yeah, I mean, there's some, com- there's some, there's some subjects in comedy that are just like so well tread. It's just like, why does anyone even talk about them? And then someone comes out with something, and you're just like, "Oh, that's why," because there's still something there. I completely agree. No, I mean, especially if you start to look at structurally how much deep. Like, if you just go for opening set of punchline, yeah. then yeah, you're gonna. You're always going to be shallow, but it, like, uh, if you start worrying about you as a human being and the yeah. characters you interact, and then like the conflicts and then the the conversations that come from that, that's when, yeah, that's when like the human experience gets uh, universal, and you could just talk about the same shit over and over again. Because Patrice yeah. had a lot of airline jokes. Oh yeah, and it, it shit was still. Fucking captivating. He had fucking black and white jokes. Black women do this, white women do this. He was still like, what? He had those those schoolyard jokes about that everyone was accusing people of stealing for a while. Where it was just like, you know, the uh, the Houdini and all that type of stuff. It's like these are jokes everyone's told on the playground since they were thirteen. It's yeah, like, you can't claim those jokes. Like it's like claiming chapstick. Here's a fuck. <laughs> it's like I'm here for the concert. Go ahead and play it. Okay. So do you like the guys that kind of? Are you a fan of the more storyteller? comic guys like Patrice seems like a storyteller guy Jay Okerson's more like a storyteller guy and then there's also like the guys that just like set a punch tag do you think he was yeah yeah, I guess he was I felt like he was Patrice I think Jay was a is a storyteller Patrice I felt like he was a pontificator okay yeah it's probably a better way to put it because like I don't know when I think storyteller I think Cosby to me was like just he would go deep into stories I mean I felt like 
uh, Patrice told antidotes to prove points. I also feel like he didn't fear silence. No, exactly. like it's like I'll tell, I'll talk for ten minutes, and if I get two big laughs, I'm cool with that. Like, yeah, yeah, but I mean, he, he it wasn't like it was dead air. It was captivating. No, you're, you're, you were like, oh, really? Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, uh, Jay though doesn't do that, but he uh, he he goes in these wonderful elaborate stories, but yeah. keeps fucking with you, and like you're in the moment constantly. Yeah. That shit is like a fucking ballerina. It's mm. Uh, talking to him about comedy is fun. He can actually being a seller in general. It's yeah. just like you hear so many different philosophies, and like, sure you do. and then like for three years, it just they can't help but say like, "Hey, see, dot dot dot," or like, dot, dot. you know, I'm like, yeah, what's yeah, his yeah. name? Um, speaking of Greer again, Greer. I remember yeah. the other day just told me he was like, dot, 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 and I was like, he just couldn't help but tell me because <laughs> you know, because like you see a dude over and over again, you go like, "Why don't you try that?" I'm like, and I'm like, "No, nigga," but then it's like I can't tell Greer no because it's Greer. I'm like, yeah, Greer, I'll, I'll think about it. Fuck. <laughs> Funny thing about Greer, I rewatched one of Dave Chappelle's special the other day, and there's Greer behind backstage introducing Chappelle. I was like, "Oh, I never realized that was Greer." I want to say it was, kill, was it killing him softly? I think it's, I think Greer's backstage introducing Dave Chappelle. I'm like, "Oh, didn't even know." Yeah, no, it's always cool like that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like exactly. you look at uh, Raw, um, and you just look at like the credits of Raw. Like all the credits of Raw is everybody successful in black in the '90s all worked on Raw. <laughs> just like, oh, Eddie Murphy was responsible for all the black comedy. He was like, responsible for the boom. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, but that's great when you see that when you see a comic get big and bring all their friends, their mm-hmm. friends. Like, uh, you know, I, I mean, like you see, like I mean, modern day guys. It's like I see like Louis having like five or six guys. Oh, not five or six guys, but like three or four guys opening for him. And it's like he brings them all out on. It's like Joe List. And, he made uh, fucking Zach's show. Yeah. Baskets is yeah. because of fucking Dewey's great mind. Yeah. I mean, like making Zach's great mind yes. work. And I'm like, and then he only had that other show. He's like a become Norman Lear. Nobody thought Norman Lear was going to be. <laughs> Louis C.K. is the new Norman Lear. And that's insane. So is that like stuff that like you're, you're digging now? Is it like is it like baskets and that type of stuff? Or is it like? Um, um, I do like the pushing of the comedy as a genre. I do like, I mean, yeah, I feel like on, in stand-up, I've tried to find new ways to express stuff. And uh, like I'm not good as a, in my opinion, I don't. It's not very exciting for me to just go um do a scene and then have a bunch of series of jokes that you yeah. see are coming and then leave. Like I like uh, I like when motherfuckers use the form to get mm-hmm. funny. Like you ever see Kung Fu Hustle? Yeah. Like that movie was Bonkers. like it's a stru- structurally it's a funny movie. Yeah. Like when the 15 minutes in when they did that that hustler dance, I was like, oh, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> if this movie ended right now, it'd be one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> there are those movies that just totally take you by surprise. Like I remember when I first saw Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm exactly. in. But what the fuck is this? Exactly. It was just like those movies, man. There's a world and characters. You'd be like, I gotta sit. And actually, I'm really big. Back to that. Yeah. Uh, Kung Fu Hustle. That director. He is a genius. Like I, uh, he, he's done other things. Right? He's done other. He's done, He just did this movie called Mermaid recently. Okay. That um about um oh fuck I forgot the premise. I was high, but uh, <laughs> I remember I remember thinking about myself like all right, this is a comic kung fu guy. Okay. But yet he just made this wonderful rom com. <laughs> I was just like I was like imagine Jackie Chan making a rom com. It just doesn't seem. But <laughs> I like can't imagine he can. Actually, but this yeah. dude Seven Chow is so much more. He was supposed to do uh that Green Hornet, but then fucking. Uh, Seth Rogen. Yeah, I could see that. That's two different styles of comedy. That there, is, there is. I mean, like, I'm, I'm currently really watching like Man Seeking Woman on FX. I don't know if you've seen that. I have. But that's like, 
you know, again, it goes, you're, you're expecting, it's a straightforward relationship show and then just kind of like goes, it busts out here and there and everything. Exactly. That's why I'm a big fan of Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, Atlanta's great. Atlanta's great. You're sitting there thinking, what's going to happen? And you go, like, I remember reading and going, I don't get this at all. Yeah. And then watching it go, oh, they were going for that. That makes so much more sense. And you're watching the trailers. You're not sure what this is. You know, they're, they're, it's played in reverse and you hear the music. You're like, yeah, the trailers made no sense. It made like, no sense. Oh, fuck. It was just cool. <laughs> it was just cool. Exactly. But you're right. If they gave trailers, it wouldn't have done it justice there was yeah. no yeah there's no and precedent then, and then uh i saw the car- uh, the actor they played paperboy on uh the daily show uh and he was just like some of the stuff this guy was talking about was just like you're just playing a rapper in atlanta man i didn't realize you were this deep like he's got like some some thought behind him that guy i forget his name he's a yale actor right yeah something yeah, like that like yeah. he's a really like it's, it's kind of like when you learn that like the guy that played the idiot on the TV show was like actually part a member of Mensa or something like that. Like you've you've and I was just like, whoa! I didn't I didn't even realize. Like, I first learned. I remember really reading that like Ashton Kutcher was like a member of Mensa, but I only knew him from like the Stoner Kid on that '70s show. Oh yeah, Will Smith uh, got an MIT. Yeah, yeah, you just hear that. You'd be like, Shit. oh, oh, this is what's going on. <laughs> hey. Oh, you need hey. to speak in front of Congress about the uh, child trafficking or whatever the hell it was, Ashton Kutcher. Sure, I remember right. sitting next to Chappelle. Right before he's planning this, he's life. got one of those minds too. He's got one of them. I didn't know it because he doesn't brag about it, he doesn't show it out. But I remember sitting him listening and just work something out. Mm-hmm. And just the way he did it, I just turned my head like, Jesus Christ. Because, <laughs> like, Chris Rock, I'm not putting anybody from Chris Rock, it's just you don't you don't question how smart he is. Everything he does is very smart. You go, oh, fucking, you always applaud it. And Chappelle, you don't really notice it. He's just, you know, he's always just fucking around being stupid. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> he goes, no, I'm going to make $60 million after taking a 10-year break from stand-up. Yeah. You're like, oh, you're that good. Well, if I'm not mistaken, his parents were both like, they were both uh, professors, professors yeah. and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, that's where you get that from. Sometimes, I remember watching him when he did the Oddball Tour, which is kind of like his first comeback. What's that, four years now? Five mm-hmm. years ago? Uh and you're watching it, and you're just like you're seeing these sparks of brilliance. You're just like Jesus Christ! Like, who does who disappears for ten years, and they have this in their brain? And you're just like, you get angry. Like I was almost angry that like I'm like I don't have that, and I'm mad at him for not doing that for the last ten years. You know. Again, he goes back to my whole thing of like, yeah. I mean, what else did you want from? Him? I mean, I think he's That's like true. he did. He he worked in his entire the all of nineties. He worked. And then he made a like a hundred million dollars, and then like I mean I'm taking outside yeah. outside. I heard some shit. He owned the rights to his first HBO special because his first HBO special didn't do well. And yeah, then he, they like self sold it. Too, yeah, he self sold it, and yeah. that went platinum after the Chappelle show came out. So it was like. Even if Chappelle's show money didn't happen, he was fine. Yeah. Some of these guys have such great business acumen. Like, I look yeah. At, like, Fuck going, these people. Going back to, like, a guy yeah. like, well, that's true. I don't have it. So, like, I'm I'm purely envious of it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, you look about, like, Louie and, like, that guy negotiates his own rights with, like, companies like HBO and, and stuff like that. And Seinfeld. You hear about, like, the crazy money that guy's made over. Well, I think Louie and, and Seinfeld, that's two different worlds. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think. Like Seinfeld's in the hundred million dollar world, or no, I'm not. Yeah. It might even be more than that. I, I would or is it eight hundred million? It's like it's. Me, I think it's eight hundred million. It's if, like absurd. If you told me he was worth a billion dollars, I'd be like, sure. You know, one hundred. Sure. No, I'm not even exaggerating. I think it's like he's eight hundred. I think Larry's five hundred. Yeah. And then Chris Rock's eighty. It's like that kind of level of like that's there's a big dump there's difference. A, there's there. a there's like a, there's a, a suicidal difference about <laughs> <laughs> money. <laughs> <laughs> it's still more money than you can ever spend in your lifetime. Absolutely, about. yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. And then you know, hopefully, these guys are doing good things with that money. I you always hear about like uh, your Warren Buffetts and your Bill Gates of the world, like actually just giving it all away. Hopefully, uh, Jerry Seinfeld gives it all away. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do that. I don't know what I'm going to do with all that. Like I think after a certain amount of money, I don't care. I know that yeah. now from experience. Yeah, from like I just honestly, I just want to make shit and. Yeah. 
but uh, on the flip side, not having it is a motherfucker. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is so annoying. I know. I got to get on the train. Andy the sandwich? I got to pay this rent. <laughs> Fucking rent. It's Why the y'all worst keep asking? <laughs> every know. month? It's the Every month? Shit. Uh, so uh, I want to end this this interview. It's been it's been awesome. I want to ask you a question that we love asking on this podcast. Sure. And it's is there a point in your life where you realize you are not going to become a professional athlete? Most people can kind of pinpoint a, a sp- certain spot in their life. Oh yeah, freshman <laughs> year of high school basketball team. <laughs> I think I knew 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 because I really wanted to just get off the team. I just really hate this so much. <laughs> And like I didn't audition the next year, and I remember like really hate not audition, rehearse the next year, <laughs> not rehearse, not even that try, try out, try out. That's how much I was gone. <laughs> I'm not a big sports guy either, but I love asking this question because people like they they usually draw it right to a point. No, I remember there's a point, and now like it's fun because now I'm doing like MMA. Yeah. With like it's fun. It's like I have an ego in it that I wish I had when I played basketball, which is right. none. I just want yeah. I don't expect anything. I just yeah. want to have fun and be here. Right. And I remember like you know it just sucks when you're a kid and you're just like no. I'm gonna prepare for the fucking NBA. Like, oh. You're and now, coordinated and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm the exact opposite. And I cannot wait to never fight. Like I don't <laughs> ever want to fight. <laughs> I, I don't even want to get bruised. I, mean, I don't mind bruises because it's fun. But yeah, I never want to get into a real fist fight. Yeah, there's a there's a point in your life where that just that switch happens, and you're just like you're not angry anymore. You're not ever whatever. I mean, like for me, I felt like it was like right around like 27, 28. I was just like, I'm done. I'm like. <sighs> Sure. Whatever. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's happened to you yet. No, I never. I never really wanted to fight people just because I was always the youngest in my family. So okay. I was angry, but I learned early how to like negotiate people who are talk your way out. Yeah, of stuff. yeah. Talk away. Just people who always want to dominate you. I just yeah. figured out ways to just be like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, and I get what I want. <laughs> so I never. So really, it's like honestly, it's like an intellectual exercise. I like. Uh, like I read this book on Zen and Art of Archery about just kind of get out of your brain and just kind of let go and shit, and then. Like, yeah, when I fight, it's fun because, like, I don't think – it's like I can't worry about bills or or uh, my career. I got to worry about what literally is in front of me because if I don't, I'll hurt myself. <laughs> I'll get hurt. And I like that's so good for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of like, you know, the angry punk rock kid. He's like, oh, oh really? you know, like, damn the man and blah, 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 have some integrity. And there's, there's a point where you're just like, that's an exhausting way to live your life. I was – oh, okay, you know, there was angry like that. Yeah, there was yeah. anger in my stand-up like a motherfucker. Yeah. I remember listening – like, I – Years ago, I remember listening to like, uh, I said I recorded like a special, uh, a small special for mm-hmm. myself when I was 2010. And I think later now, now I know how to read people's emotions. So I was reading my own emotions yeah. back then. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, I, <laughs> I can't believe people could listen to this angry motherfucker for an hour. What the fuck? <laughs> and I actually, ooh, recently though, I'm a lot better than I was, but still there's some things that still kind of come off angry. I remember I did a, this is a weird ass thing. I did a panel show. Okay. Uh, it was a live panel show at the DC and Lincoln Theater. It was like a tribute to Weird Al Yankovic doing his VHS. I mean, he did a sh- uh, UHF UHF movie. Yeah. So we played clips of it. So it was me, Weird Al Yankovic, uh, uh, Emo Phillips, okay, um, and Dave Hill, and Tig Notaro was uh, running the panel. It's such a weird assembly of people. That is weird. I mean, like I get Emo Phillips. He was in the movie, if I'm not mistaken, in some way, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I, I, I was sitting there. And so. Dave Hill makes sense. He's like a he. Uh, he probably seems like a descendant of Weird Al. You know, a fan. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I was. I actually, I was there last second because I was replacing Malcolm Gladwell, and they didn't have anybody else, and I was already just happened to be well, doing a sh- at the festival. Okay. Yeah. So it really was like okay. And fish the, out of water. Fish out of water like a yeah. motherfucker. So I went out 
and just joked around. And just like I, I'm playing around a lot. And I remember Ralph stage later, like, Emo was like, he's like, you're funny, but you're really angry. And I was just like, <laughs> but Emo's a delicate guy. I was so coming from Emo Phillips. He's Emo Phillips. So I was like, <laughs> but you know, he's probably right. He's sensitive as fuck. It's a reason he's not outside a lot, you know? So he probably reads something that's there. I got to be like, my bad, Emo. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, I got to wrap up this podcast. I Good. Like I'm hungry. Could, yeah, I feel like I could talk to you for another hour or two about all this stuff. But uh, where can people find you on the uh, the internet? Or, Seatonsmith.com. Check me out. Uh, I'm in random episodes of stuff. <laughs> Difficult people and girls. Comedy knockout. Um, hopefully I have a show coming out on Comedy Central later this fall. Cool. Something kind of wild. Cool. Great. Yeah, man. Great. Thanks for having. Uh, thanks. thanks for coming by. Thank podcast. you, man. All right, Seaton. Talk to you. Mm-hmm. All right. That was Seaton Smith. I laughed, I cried, I learned a thing or two. I laughed, I cried, I learned a thing. So uh, so real quick, before we uh, roll this out here, man, there are plenty of new specials you can check out. This week alone, uh, Steve Byrne announces a new special, Kurt Brownell announces a new special, Amy Schumer announced a new special, Carmen Lintz announced a new special. So there's plenty of comedy out there in the world. Netflix is releasing a special week. Mike Birbiglia's special just hit us, Trevor Noah's, Roy Wood Jr. just hit us, Andy uh, Kindler just released a new album. There's so much comedy out there to consume, definitely check it out definitely give it a listen uh go to the laughbutton.com you can watch trailers or listen to tracks from all this kind of stuff there's no shortage of comedy happening these days really excited about the golden era of comedy comedy that's happening comedy right, comedy, comedy that's happening right now so uh you can uh you can basically anywhere you can type in the laughbutton.com you can find us anywhere in the socials you can type in the laugh button you'll find us on the socials you can find me matt kleinschmidt your editor-in-chief of the laugh button at i am kleinschmidt personally and you can find bram where bram uh you can find me at bram filter on twitter yeah and Bramphetamine everywhere else. Very cool. And what about Metal Insider? Uh, MetalInsider.net is a very good uh, site for metal news. And <laughs> it's a very good site that I, that I run. <laughs> Actually, there's not that much comedy on there. But every now and then, we, we something sneaks in there. Uh, MetalInsider.net, Metal Insider, anywhere you can type into on a social media thing. Except LinkedIn. <laughs> no Metal Insider on LinkedIn. All right, everybody. That'll do it for our time here on the Laugh Button Podcast. Uh, until next time, um, mahalo. No, we can't say that. That's uh, that's another podcast. Until next time, uh, we'll see you on the next time. See ya. Bye.